Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos, and Brad, just you and me today, back in the pub. Yeah, back here after a great pub the other day with Pippa. Really good pub with Pippa. Um, Brilliant to have her on. Great. I think it was the best one we've done, and uh, lots of positive feedback. So thank you for everyone who took the time to listen. Yeah, and and hopefully we'll we'll see Pippa again in the near future. Today, though, two very different races going on, both won by this season's, um, this rebooted season, I should say, most impressive fast men. Uh, Let's start with the Giro d'Italia, stage 11. Largely flat, 182 kilometres. It was always going to be one for the sprinters, so it proved. Arno Demar. Yeah, fast man. 15 wins since August. Awesomely impressive rebooted season for him. Um, and he's on course for the most impressive season of his career. Four wins at the Giro. Yeah. First man to do that since we saw Gaviria do it a couple of years ago. Yeah, first Frenchman to do it since Eno, I think. Correct. Well. He's, um, but he looks untouchable. He does. Well, he is untouchable. I mean, he's, uh, Sagan's just not been able to get near him. Although they got close the other day. It was a photo finish to determine that one. But Peter's back to where we all know, he's no, you know he was capable of riding. Um, yesterday's ride was... <sighs> My, you know, it just blew everyone away, didn't it, really? That was like the Peter of old winning Flanders and stuff. It was the Peter of old, but one sort of one for the ages. You know, you've got to imagine when he looks back on his career, that's one of the ones that will really stand out, given yeah. the situation in which he's done it as well, yeah. after, after waiting so long for yeah, a win. Yeah, I think the length of time he'd gone without a win, maybe the criticism that he'd come under, you know, in terms of that lack of winning. Um, and it's just great to see, and it? We see his progression. We've got to see it up, up hand first and foremost, you know, because... Where he, the level he started at the start of the tour to where he is now is quite two different riders and um, it's brilliant to see and um, he's not done yet. You know, he, he was hot on the wheels of DeMar today and finished second, so that points competition is still very close. He's 36 seconds behind in the race for the Malia Ciclamino. Um, I mean, so you say today he was right on DeMar's wheel. Sagan chose to go right, DeMar chose to go left. Sagan made a bad choice in the sprint and you'd imagine he did, yeah. if he'd have followed him and gone left... He might have come close. He might have come a yeah, lot closer. he went... Um, I mean, he got to half a bike, didn't he, at the finish line? But he went on Gaviria's wheel, which was bizarre. Yeah, he backed the wrong wheel, really. And it's sort of unlike him, really, to, to you know, on the form guide, he would have gone with Damar. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it just goes to show that Gaviria's still feared, really. Was that, was that a moment of hesitation from Sagan, perhaps? No, I think it's Gaviria's still feared. And, un, you know, no one re- underestimates him. You know, the Gaviria of old would have jumped and won that. And... Sagan thought he was going to do that. And, and when he realised that Gavira wasn't going anywhere, he jumped left straight away. It was instantaneous because Gavira stopped as soon as he went mm. and gave up. Before we go any further, here's how Rob Hatch called it for us on Yuri Sport. There's left turn number one, taken by Scotson. All of the major players in here. Left turn number two, 500 metres to go. And they come into the final straight. And it's going to be interesting to see who launches first. Look out for DeMar, sitting in that purple jersey in third. On his wheel in the white, you can see it's Fernando Gaviria. Then Sagan looking for two out of two. He's in the black and green. Hodges following him, the young Colombian as well. And Zabel is struggling to make up places. Then you have Elia Viviani. Oldani's in, and it's called Palmer. And here goes Gaviria. He's designed 
decided to launch it early. Gavidi on the left as we look at it. But Demar's looking strong. Demar's looking strong. Demar's going again. All the way to the line. It's four up for Arnold Demar. And nobody can get near him. They left it late. They let the others do the work. And Groupama FDG have done it once again. Arnold Demar is unbeatable at this Giro d'Italia. Given how hot Demar is now, four wins and, and, you know, he could win two. He could end up with six looking at the stages we've got left. Um, why didn't he go to the tour? That's a good question. Um, I guess because they backed the team with Pino. Yeah. Um, he'd finished second at the Dauphiné. Yeah. So they, they chose to go they all out to. for I mean, Pino. You know, the teams were reduced, weren't they, to eight riders. I don't think. And I think Demar commands a lot of riders around him, as we've seen this week, in terms of doing that lead out. And I, I think they got let down by Pino again, really, didn't they? Um, and they, they went with a team to win the GC after last year. Um, because you can imagine the reaction they'd have got in France had they backed Demar. Mm. They've got to back Pino, really. Otherwise, he may leave the team. Mm. Um, but I don't see, I don't think, I don't seen, I haven't seen Demar complain about that or, or question it at all. No. If anything, he just looks every time he's interviewed after a race at the moment, and well, particularly after he winning, happy, doesn't he? He, he's, he seems like the happiest man in the world, and there's, yeah. there's a there's a there's a real joy to him, which is actually brilliant. What brilliant! He just looks like he's on cloud nine, really, and he's really grateful to his team. You see, he waited around a lot to see his teammates at the finish. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's nice to see riders that really kind of pay back the team and thank them, and um, and he seems a nice lad, Demar. I've never actually spoke to him or anything like that. He's just um, you know, I remember he won the Worlds, actually, and when Cav won the professional race, yeah, he won the Espar race in Copenhagen back in 211. Um, so, yeah, he's a, he's a great rider, and um, he's not done yet in this Giro. I can see him winning six. He's not done yet, and if he does win six, you've got to imagine he'll take the sprinter's jersey. However, yeah. do, you, do you think Sagan can catch him? Well, so Sagan's going to go tomorrow again. Yeah. I can see Sagan doing what he did the other day. Yeah, another one for the breakaway yeah. tomorrow. And he's going to want to put a march on that tomorrow and put some distance and gain some points between him and, and, and Demar. Do you think we'll see any change in the GC tomorrow? Um, well, Fulsang has got to go again. I think we could see him trying after his loss with a puncture. Lot, yeah, lost time yesterday, punctured on the descent. Yeah. Very little he could do about it um, and, and had, to, had to wait around a while. So he is now 11th on GC at 2 minutes 20. Yeah. Uh, so you, so you, you're looking at, obviously Almeida is still in pink. Kelderman at 34 seconds in second, Bilbao 43 seconds, Pozzovivo 57 seconds, Nibali one minute and one yeah. second. So he's got a lot of time to make up on on the top five there. Yeah. Is the pressure on or is there is it start to become a feeling of a sense you've got nothing to lose? Well, there is that, but I think he'll be confident in his ability because the other day, wasn't was it a couple of mountain stages ago where he kind of put time into Nibali? Mm. Um, he knows he's got that to come. I think he's got an element of nothing to lose, yeah, for sure. But I guess there's also an element of when is this race going to go the whole distance? Because he's got time. He's got a week and a half now yeah. to, to still do something about that. I don't think he'll be panicking yet. He hasn't got a team either, has he, at the moment? Well, he's, yeah, he's, he's seriously missing, reduced. Losing Vlasov and Superman Lopez so early in the race won't have done him any favours. He always seems to do it on his own anyway. Yeah. Got, but don't, they're not really a team that you see dominant on the front like, like we're used to seeing with a lot of other teams, so... I mean, the field's seriously reduced. No Mitchelton, no Yumbo. I can see Fogel saying trying something tomorrow just to have a move because it's going to be so difficult. And it's one of them stages that you're going to be, wherever you are through the field, whether you're off the front or at the back, you're going to be making the same effort tomorrow. It's, there's no easy day tomorrow for anyone. 
And do we expect to see anything more from Teo? So we've seen him riding at the front. He's at two minutes and 45 seconds, 14th on GC. Teo, this is brilliant from Teo. He's almost gone on unknown just a little bit, hasn't he? He's, he's kind of managed to sneak under the radar so yeah, far. Yeah, and um, I can see Teo sneaking into the top 10 if he carries on at this rate. So you mentioned Mitchell and Scott. Um, obviously, the Simon Yates positive. It looked like he was in trouble on Etna. Now we know why. He likely had it before the race even began. Uh, now that more of the team have tested positive... Yumbo Visma also out. Um, Richard Pluger, um, just to mention him, he was talking about the decision to withdraw Yumbo yeah. Visma at the almost at the eleventh uh, hour, uh, almost minutes before that stage began. Um, he was hospitalised uh, for eight days in March with yeah, COVID, and he says he still isn't one hundred percent when he's playing sport. So yeah. you can understand his decision to um, to try to protect his riders. Yeah, I think he's just took a stance that he probably wants most teams to adopt and take a bit more responsibility. He talks about behaviour a lot. Um, interesting, Michael Matthews tested positive, didn't he? Um, he did, but then he subsequently tested, tested negative. negative a day later. So it shows you how inaccurate the tests are. It's not 100%, is it? It's not 100%. And with, with the Yates test um, and Mitch and Scott, with, having, with them having two or three other members of their team, subsequently test positive three or four days behind, my fear is that you now might see more teams... Uh, currently with negative tests in three or four days. If, if Yates has been amongst that peloton and, and, and other members of other teams have been yeah. amongst the peloton who have tested positive, are we looking at, not, not to be too dramatic, but are we looking at what is effectively a ticking time bomb here? Well, that, that, I think that's the danger now with this race, isn't it? Um, you know, it's suddenly become a real thing now, isn't it? We didn't really talk about it during the Tour de France and... We almost forgot about it during the Tour. Yeah, and, because... And we think, sort of forgot about how lucky we were to forget about it as well. Pluger he sort of noted that, didn't he? That, that, that it seemed a lot more stringent in France and less stringent in Italy. Yeah. And it's very relaxed, he said. And, well, the, um, the sports minister of Italy has even said, you know, it's not really a concern for him at the moment, which, which seems well, like he's underplaying it, to say the least. You know, this race is looking in jeopardy as every day goes past, really. And I think everyone's getting tested again in the next couple of days, aren't they? Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see how many more come back positive because this race is in real danger now, I think. If, that's, if there's more tests, then positive test then I think yeah it's f how far does it have to go how many teams have to pull out and until we get to the point where we don't really have a race on I don't know what's the tipping point here 100 riders like we saw so Paris Nice for example we saw less than 100 riders in the peloton by the time yeah they got I to don't nice. know I mean is that from, I don't know I don't, I don't know what the race organizers will view that as yeah I mean it's an interesting one that I mean You'd imagine it would be after we get stopped before we get to that point because there's a serious problem if that's the case. It's, it's, it's not, a, not a great way to go. So we're taking the Mitchell and Scott example. We've seen Simon Yates test positive and we've seen the team withdraw. But before they did that, we've seen a positive test and then the rest of the team tested each day negative, negative, negative. And then all of a sudden we've seen three or four of them test positive. Yeah. And that's got to be a concern for the rest of the peloton and the rest of the teams taking part in the race at the moment. Yeah, I think we've seen that there's a delayed sort of onset with it, isn't there, yeah. really? Which is... Because um, it what, could be flying under the radar. Yeah, the you, you could have it and not know for three or four days. Yeah. And that's kind of... And it's quite worrying that, that the people that were around Simon at the time obviously may have tested a day later and tested negative. But it wasn't until three or four days later that it showed signs enough to, to be test positive, so... And then it's worrying. And I, that's why I kind of think how many will go positive in this next batch. Yeah. And going back to the Matthews example, testing positive. Is it, is it accurate? Then, yeah. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins show right after this. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists for life on and off your bike. 
Alaka has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing, and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Brad, the other race going on today, Shell de Priest. Shell de Priest. Yeah, that's um, Cav's first ever professional victory. His first ever in 2007, yeah. his, his breakthrough. Yeah. Um, so the, the unofficial Sprinters World Championships, obviously, it's known as. Yeah, um, and he was there today. And, um, and it was good to see him there today. It was great. And we saw him in the break today. Yeah. I don't Once know if you again. saw his interview. Did you see his interview before the start? Yeah, so speaking before the start um, today, he attributed his emotions after Sunday's race to the fact that... There was rumours at the start, wasn't there, on Sunday, that, that these may be cancelled. So yeah, exactly. I think Let's the emotion go. ran away with him. And as he said, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think we've got that interview now, haven't we, to play? Mark Cavendish, what happened on Sunday, we were very surprised. I think, look, I was a lot of emotion. There was rumours in there. At the, at, at the start of the race, so the rest of the race is going to be cancelled. Obviously, Belgium had uh, the government had a meeting on Monday about you know the the restrictions of the coronavirus, and I, it would suddenly dawn on me I don't have next year sorted yet, and uh, it dawned on me you know it could be the last race of the season and, and potentially my career, you know. And uh, obviously, I've never never I wear my heart on my sleeve. I always do, and. Uh, and especially racing here in Belgium, you know, here at Scale the Price was my first win as professional. And uh, I was looking forward to this race um, and I was enjoying racing in Belgium. I love it. I love the Belgian people. I love the racing. It's pure racing. It's like it's like when I was a kid again, you know. And uh, yeah, um, uh, like I still don't don't have next year um, sorted and with, with uh with maybe the possibility the races weren't carrying on, you know, it was suddenly realizing that uh, it could be my last race. But you can't stop like this. You are the greatest sprinter of all time. You can't stop without uh, an honor. Yeah, I don't, but I don't have a desire to stop. I don't want to stop. Um, I love this sport. I give my life to this sport. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'd like to continue riding my bike. I think uh, that, that's it, really. But the, the last few years have been very difficult for you. But um, relative, you know, 80% of bike riders don't win a race in their career, you know. I think uh, I'm fortunate I'm looked at that if I don't win, it's a, it's a problem. But, um, you know, in 2016, I made a jump uh, to give someone back to the sport. I worked with, with, with the charity Quebec. I, I looked at, at using what I've done in the sport to give back the sport I love. To see it grow in the UK, to see kids riding, to see people riding, loving the sport like this. Um, I know there's more than winning to give to give to the sport. You know, of course I want to win, um, but uh, unfortunately it's it's, uh, it's how it is. That I'm, if, if I'm second, it's looked at bad. Whereas if another rider is second, it, 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 it's possibly good. You know. But fingers crossed that we see you back next year. Thank you very much. I, I hope so. Um, 
we see what happens. Um, but it's nice to be here at a scale of place, my first professional win here um, in 2007. And, uh, and to see the race go on, uh, I'm super happy to be here. So the other thing we saw from Cav today of note is that he took his frame number off mid-race and put it in his pocket. Um, so we understand that he eventually gave it to a fan with a kilometre to go, but it's little uh, gestures like that that make you think he really, is, he really is winding down here. Yeah, I, I'm... From the, um, the feeling I get is he's been well and truly f***ed over by people he never expected to get over by and um and that's come, not, that's come as a surprise perhaps i think so i don't think you expect it in cycling do you or don't expect it when you've had the career he's had but negotiations are still going on i think but maybe that's a smokescreen that he hasn't actually got anything and i picked up little bits in that interview today that kind of suggest that as well mm. um and if it obviously after sunday i don't sunday will be his last race then will it is that the kind of tour of flanders on sunday um but he's also looking at the three days of japan um, next week. So, so they're, they're both on his schedule. He's still racing, but as of yet, it doesn't look like he's got anything. And I don't think Bahrain are going to sign him again. It doesn't look like it. And it doesn't look like he's got a team sorted for next year. You're imploring uh, Dave B to sign him up for... I could see Dave doing something like that, really, because, you know, Dave thinks a lot of um, Cav and I could see Dave signing him, but I mean, I don't know, really. It's just, um, it's, um, it's a business they're in now, isn't it? And there's probably no space for emotion in that, really, but who knows? It looked like he'd given it all he'd got today. And he was helped to, he was almost helped to the end by one of the CCC riders. Was he? Yeah, he's yeah. given a little, little push. Yeah, I missed that bit. Well, 10 laps of a 17.3 of a kilometer circuit. As you say, that the, the, the road towards the end, uneven. Um, and, and therefore, there was yet again uh, another horrible crash. August Jensen um, from Rewal Securitas yeah. was the man who went down. He clipped Pascal Ackerman's back wheel um, as Ackerman started to move through the bunch for the uh, for the, the, the finishing sprint. Yeah. Jensen picked himself up in the end. Everyone was okay. A couple of other riders Great. went down with him and that Great. was good to see. Um, yeah. I mean, it was good to see that everyone picked themselves up and they were okay. Before we go any further on that, Brad, here's how Carlton called it for us on Eurosport. It's Philipson in a few moments' time. Merlier is there against the Hornings, but Ken Buren has reached out for glory. He got a tumble as well. Big one as well. Ryder knocked down by the looks of it. And here comes Ken Buren. He's going to take the day in front of Sam Bennett. But what a terrible accident that was. And other riders have actually come off their bike to go and help out. Oh, awful stuff. We said it was going to be difficult with so much real estate to play with. Everyone wanted a part of it. And I'm afraid this race, yet again, has taken a part of the sprinters. Caleb Ewan takes the day, bumps and bruises, as ever, it seems, on the Shell de Presse. Uh, so, Brad, let's start with the crash. Pascal Ackerman relegated. His move was, was identified as being the reason for the crash. That was a, it felt to me to be a little bit harsh, and Bora Hansgrohe, his team, felt the same. Well, I mean, it's a sprint, isn't it? There's so many, we talk about this all the time, there's so many things. That, I mean, Ackerman did swing... So he's left or right, I can't remember, I think it was to the right, wasn't it? And did sort of take his wheel away, but it is, um, that's bunch sprinting, unfortunately. Mm. You know, it's, it's sort of easy to say, you know, riders maybe should take a bit more responsibility, but sprinters will do anything to win, and they don't mean to do it. You know, it's in the heat at the moment. Sagan pulled a similar move today in the sprint with DeMar, mm. and fortunately no one really noticed it because it didn't impede anyone, but... It's kind of, that's what sprinting is. It's unfortunate. Do you do anything about it? I don't know. How can you, can you take away what is essentially 
a sprinter's biggest asset in that risk-taking, you know, you know, fraction of a second thoughts and decisions. It's very, very difficult one to, to manage that. Ackerman was relegated. Uh, Caleb Ewan with the win, as, as we heard Carlton call it for us there. Yeah. Uh, Nicolo Bonifacio second and Brian Cockard eventually bumped up to third. Adam Blythe was saying on commentary that it's a horribly uneven road surface, just going back to the, the yeah. finish. Um, he was saying it's, it's got a lip like you'd have from the road up to the driveway at yeah. home. If you looked over it, the, the finish line is put, the, the finish straight runs across a, what is it, half of a roundabout. So you see the half of the roundabout, but it's, it's all just ever so slightly done. So it's kind of, you cross a bike's path. It's just the kind of the way it's done. And it's, it's just enough of a lip over each bump. It forms little speed bumps when you're sprinting at 60, 70 k an hour. I mean, it's, it's an easy win to move that, right? There's a reason they probably haven't done it. And I think it's something to do with, it's normally, it's like a national holiday or something. When it's normally on this, like some sort of holiday, yeah, midweek on the Wednesday in April, um, and it's a street lined with bars and things like that. And I think it's got to finish outside of a certain bar or point where a lot of the funding comes from for the race, really. So to move it back, you'd miss that finish race. Quite, quite a festive celebration that day. Yeah, I mean, given the season we've had with with all of the with all of the crashes we've seen because of the lack of concern for rider safety. Yeah infrastructure changes like this which which would seemingly be so easy to do yeah they've got to they've got to be a priority haven't they you'd think so but i think it's been 10 years now there's been a crash every year on that finish straight and mm. they've never done anything about it i can't see them doing anything about it now like most things this time next week it'll be forgotten yeah and no one will act on it does it prove that money matters more than the rider's health well i think in this case probably yes because these are all independent races they probably struggle enough to get the race on anyway, mm. financially. And actually, if you gave the choice to the riders, you know, do you want to lose scale the price or are you happy for it to finish in the same straight? They'd all probably say finish in the same straight. Yeah, for sure. So the man who took it today was Caleb Ewan. Second, Nicolo Bonifacio. Third, Ackerman, as we say, relegated after his move as the as the sprint lit up. Ewan, I mean, weeks, he would have been one of the favourites today, Brad. Yeah. Um, I think Brian called it in comms, actually. When he saw it, he said straight away he's going to win. He's... Um, Seems to be well and truly recovered from the Tour de France. He had quite a tough time the second part of the Tour, didn't he? And was quite mm. fatigued and didn't really get much sprints. But Sam Bennett didn't get a look in today, did he? Eighth. And we might have expected more from him. Maybe. After taking he, Green at his the Tour. His team seemed to hit the front too early and kind of he ran out of teammates quick. Unusual for them not to get it right. Well, it's hard because there were so many riders there and so many teams present. Everyone's pretty quite fresh at the end because it's a pretty, it's, less, it's quite not a very strenuous day. And, you know... It's probably why there's so many crashes because there's a lot of riders there, really. Mm. Um, it's just one of them, really. Um, I suppose it's unfortunate we're not seeing the likes of Demar, Sagan, Gaviria, Caleb, Sam, all in the same where we normally would this time of year. Yeah. Which that would be some sprint. Stretched so thinly elsewhere. Just back to Cav briefly. So we saw on the road on Eurosport earlier, goodbye Cav, or thanks Cav, rather. Thanks and goodbye. In a way, is it better that we, as fans... Um, watching the race know that this is sort of Cavs' last hurrah, as it were. Well, we don't because know if it is, do we? we it, it's kind of a bit um and ah at the moment. We don't know. If it is, we want to be able to say goodbye to him and we, we want do. to be able to do his, I, his he, amazing career justice. But he doesn't want to go yet. He doesn't. As he said today. So he's sort of caught betwixt um, and between. It, I'm, this, I think this is what's so hard for him is it, it's, this decision is being made for him. And that's not very nice, really. I don't think that's where it's very nice. You know, A rider in his position, he wants to be able to call time when he's ready. 
And I feel like this position, this is this has been put on him, and someone else is making that decision for him. Yeah. And I think that's where the emotions coming from is 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 the lack of control in that. Yeah, he's so used to being able to call the shots. Yeah, and it's just a shame because he wants to, he, like he said, I think there's a place within the sport somewhere for him in a team. It's not necessarily about winning. Um, and and it's a shame, really. Yeah. You know, as we saw today, he was in the break all day. And if you mark Cavendish's break, he got dropped for the break. They stopped focusing on the break. The TV cameras stayed on Mark. You know, that's, that's the kind that, of... That alone tells you that's something. That's the then, kind of exposure that Mark brings to the to the broader cycling. But then are they doing that because they think that's the last time that... Well, I don't we'll, know why we'll they're doing that. The They've always done it because Mark's a superstar in the sport. And which is why we're still talking about him now. Moving on to stage 12 tomorrow. We've, we've mentioned it briefly already. It's, it's lumpy as 204 kilometers, 3,800 meters of vertical gain, nine climbs, as I said, out of and back into Cesanatico, uh, starting and finishing in Marco Pantani's hometown. Yeah, so it's um, tomorrow's going to be a bloody tough day. Pantani's training roads to pay homage to him. They always take him up the climbs he used to love, and it's going to be like Liège Baston Liège tomorrow. It's going to be a tough, tough day for everyone. Yeah. Funny old relationship Italy's got with Pantani. Still, they love him. You know, he's a cult hero. Yeah, um, he was a superstar on and off the bike, but he he was demonized. Yeah, I mean, he was um, he was also a very flawed character and he was quite traumatized and quite um, vulnerable. I think his vulnerability shone through and I think Italy warmed to him for that mm. and loved him for it. And he's never been forgotten. Um, and they literally finished outside of the hotel where he died in Rimini today. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. We're not expecting, or maybe we are, um, a rider of, of Pantani's caliber to to take tomorrow feature in the break tomorrow. Presumably it's an ideal uh, ideal route for the breakaway. So who, yeah, might, is, who might we be looking at? I think at? the likes from behind. I think Nibali will be quite emotional tomorrow. Yeah, He's someone who thrives off that history of the sport. And he'd probably want to, someone like Vincenzo will want to win tomorrow for Pantani. Could we be looking at another stage win for Filippo Ganna, perhaps? And Ineos. Ooh. I mean, they, they sort of, as I said, found that That'd mojo. That'd be a big yeah. ask for tomorrow for Ganna, but, you know, never put anything past him. Yeah. But I'd like, I think Nibali tomorrow. Pozzavivo, actually, could have a do. Pozzavivo's up there on GC. Yeah, it'd yeah. be good to see him giving but it a go. Sagan as well. I think Sagan's going to have a go, like we did, like you saw the other day. Yeah. Just quickly before we go, Brad, a little bit of news on the Vuelta. The organisers have banned fans or will ban fans. Bannedfans.com. At the, the summit finishes. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, is, that, is that a token gesture? Well, it shows though? you how bad it must be in Spain now, then the worry that they have. Much like the race, this race, and not want to lose it. Madrid's, now Madrid's pleading, locked down again. They're pleading with fans, you know, to, to, you know, some common sense and just help them as much as possible. And yeah. please don't, you know, kind of go up the climbs. And, yeah. Yeah. Is it more this far out? Well, I say this far out. We're, we're only a week or so away from the race actually starting. But is it more of a, them, the, the organisers signposting that, look, we're doing all we can here, yeah. rather than it being in, in any sort of practical way? Yeah, as, I mean, they're not actually thing. stopping fans going up, are they? They're asking them not to go up. Yeah, presumably if one actually lives up there, um, then there's very little they can do to stop you uh, from, from going to the summit in the first place. Well, look, Brad, on that note, that brings us to the end of this episode of the, the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank Eurus you very Sport. much. Thank you to our sponsor too, Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Lacquer. Brad, social media, we can follow you at... So we go. So we go... Eurosport you can find on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK plus you can find us on Instagram and Facebook thank you as ever to Podcast Pete our Podcast producer Pete, sponsored by River Island our producer Pete Burton and finally from me Graham Wilgos it's goodbye if you've enjoyed the show please subscribe share your thoughts and rate us wherever you get your podcasts cheers thanks for that Brad you'll be back tomorrow for back a bonus tomorrow. podcast I will be back and I'll see you on Sunday looking forward to it and I won't look back 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.